You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to our ancestors, to all of those men and women who lived well and died well, who met the challenges of their time, and in that way became the men and women they were really born to be and brought the medicine to their own time. I call out to these ancestors who dreamt of a better future, so we are here now. And I ask them to be with us to bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us to support us so that we are able to rise to the challenges of our own time in new ways where that is necessary and to carry through the old ways that help us to be strong and good and um, wonderful partners here with all the rest of life on earth. So I ask these ancestors to gather around us and to guide us so that we can be the people that we need to be for those who are coming. And I reach beyond those humans because in the relative scale of time, we've all been here for a very short time and reach out to those ancestors that have been here far longer than the humans. And I ask these energies of nature to be with us, to support us, to help us to understand our own true nature and how to be what it is that life dreamt us up to be, to truly be the blessing that humans were called to be and to share what it is that we're meant to share in a way that strengthens this gorgeous web of life that is here on earth. And I ask all the ancestors and all their forms to assist us in this way of truly becoming that which we were born to be. And as these ancestors begin to gather around us in all their many forms, let us gather our energy from wherever it might be into our head from our head down to our heart, another breath and our heart down to our belly. And let's extend our energy down to the earth and take a moment. Just stop everything. Stop all the multitasking and just touch the earth with your gratitude for your life. Gratitude for this day, for all the beauty and the wonder that it holds and for the challenges, for the diversity and for all that is going to help you to become the man or the woman that you were really meant to be. And let us take a moment and just give thanks for the awe, for the miracle of life. And for all the beauty of life that is all around you, let us give thanks and begin to move our energy down through all the layers of the earth, allowing our gratitude to flow out of our heart as we move layer by layer down to the very center of the earth. And let us anchor our energy firmly there to be grounded to the center of the earth and take a moment to connect into this energy, dark, still, silent, that which is before, that which is before the abundance on the face of the earth, that which rests, that we rest and restore, replenish and renew ourselves with, that energy that allows us to be nourished. And ultimately, the energy that carries with it the wisdom of how to be here in form in a good way. This energy that carries the wisdom of manifestation. And we draw this energy up, reaching into it just as we would gather up water from a spring on a hot, hot day. We draw this energy up into our bodies, into our bellies and our hearts and our minds. And we ask the energy of the earth to help us to understand how to live in a way that is grounded in our bodies on the earth. And from that to understand where we stand and what we stand for. And to build a life of meaning and purpose from that. And to build our sense of home, our sense of place and belonging from that. From that which has true meaning in our lives. And to do so in a way that is not simply gathering around us people that look and act like us and say the things that we say. But to open our door to the other. 
to set a place at our table for the other and to invite in those who are different than we are that would challenge us and engage us and provoke us into really growing into the men and the women that we have come here to be. And from this, may we come into right relationship with all aspects of ourself, with those around us, with the environment, with the invisible world, and learn about connection and interconnection and interdependence and all the many kinds of relationship that create this great web of life. And if you are blessed in this day with a moment of really feeling your place in that web of life, may you take your right relationship from that and bring it to all your relationships. And so let us continue to draw this energy up and out the top of our head, out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you in this moment, out through the atmosphere and all the way up into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call this energy or in whatever way you understand it, to reach up to that energy and begin to draw it down into your life, seeing yourself in it and it in you, drawing this energy down through all the layers of the sky bringing into yourself this essence energy of blessings, blessings and protection. We call in commitment and devotion. We call in inspiration and illumination. We call in these energies that can be the hand at our back, guiding us forward, supporting us in those moments of faltering. They are the mentors that arrive and help us, the champions that help us to carry our burdens when we cannot. We call all of these energies in and we invite this radiant energy from above to infuse us, moving into our head and our heart and our belly. And as we send this energy all the way down to the center of the earth, we connect this center channel and open ourselves up to this great love of these two energies, heaven and earth. And may this big love awaken the spirit of our own human heart. And in that heart, may we awaken that crucible of transformation that lives there. That place that we can call up the fiery passions of our belly that care the soul's desire, carry the soul's desire and longing for why it is here and draw it into that crucible. And draw down the crystal clarity of the mind that can look around the world and say, hmm, how do I do this this time? And draw these energies together in the heart and this dynamic tension and that friction that will give birth to the third and most sacred thing, which is your memory, your sense, your feeling, some sort of understanding of why you are here. And may you find in that very same heart the courage that you need to do something, large or small, in this day to bring those gifts that you have out into the world into manifestation. I give enormous gratitude to all the spirit help that is available to every single one of us to do what it is that we have come here to do. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I would also like to thank the spirits of the people that decide to offer um, financial support for the show. The show is listener supported. It would not still be on the air now into the seventh year if it were not for you, the listeners who donate large and small and keep the show alive, um, available on the internet um, for people all over the world to connect with for free. And I give great gratitude to Connor and Anne and Teresa and Mary and all of the listeners who have donated financially. If you want to do that, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. Um, Click the support button and donate any amount, large or small, any currency. We don't really care. We're not picky. Um, We're happy to have all of it. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. So if this show moves you in any way, if it moves you to inspiration and great ideas for your own journey circle or moves you to frustration, just know that you've been moved and do this most fundamental of shamanic things, which is to allow that which moves your heart and has meaning for you in your heart to motivate your actions here in your day. And if you can't donate financially, that's fine. There are many things that you can do to help the show to grow. And I invite you to do something large or small, to give back, to have this constant flow of energy and exchange um, for whatever it is the show is for you in your life, to do something that keeps that energy moving and cycling, keeps the show interesting and vital for people. So thank you all for helping me to do what we are doing with Why Shamanism Now. 
So today we're going to talk about a new book called Spiritual, The Spiritual Awakening Guide, Bellini, Psychic Abilities, and the Conditioned Layers of Reality, with the author of this book, Mary Shutan. Mary, welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to, lovely to be here with you. So Mary is a spiritual healer who focuses on helping others work with their spiritual awakenings, spiritual callings, and psychic abilities. Um, she was a child. Oh, as a child, she's been highly sensitive and creative with the ability to see and sense and interact with the spirit realms. So given and probably many trials and tribulations <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> over, <laughs> over a long period, a 10-year period, um, she focused a tremendous amount of energy in finding out how to work with her sensitivities and, ability, and abilities, which led her to four years of Chinese medicine school, certificates in the upledger style and biodynamic craniosacral therapy, Asian body therapy, massage therapy, zero balancing, Reiki, energy work, root work, meditation, and extensive education in different forms of body work, energy work, folk magic, occult practices, and shamanic and spiritual healing. So Mary joins us today to talk about her new book. The Spiritual Awakening Guide um, from Finthorn Press. So she, in addition to the book, she runs um, a personal blog that covers a variety of thought-provoking spiritual subjects and offers um, email-based programs and individual consultations worldwide for people who are experiencing various kinds of awakening, like Kundalini, spiritual awakening, psychic abilities awakening, shamanic callings, and probably things that are so unique to the individual who's awakening, it doesn't even have a name. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but having help navigating these experiences is um, is tricky because it's important that the people helping don't overshadow the experience and and not everybody knows how to do that. So this is a really great opportunity today. And before I get distracted by the book, I want to let you all know that yes, Mary does, is available for distance healing work. So you can... Um, do you want people to contact you through your website or email? Uh, through my website is fine, and that's um, maryshutan.com. Okay, and that's Mary, M-A-R-Y, nothing nothing creative there, just Mary, Mary, yeah. and Shutan is S-H-U-T-A-N, so Mary Shutan. Yes. Okay, so um, we are not live today. Um, but if you have questions, you're welcome to email Mary um, or email me, and I'd be happy to forward your questions. You can email me at Christina at lastmasscenter.org. And just to be clear, the book will be available August 11th. This is very exciting. Yes. And, and it's a big book. There's a lot here. <laughs> but there is. We get to the yeah. book, right? <laughs> Um, I just want to talk a little bit about you just to create a little context before we dive into the book. And um, – I wanted to ask you about two pivotal moments in your life, sort of in reflection, looking back, because often the pivotal moments aren't the ones we think they are when they're happening. Um, but what first, the first pivotal moment is, what do you think really put you on this path to become the practitioner, the woman and the practitioner that you are? Um, in terms of kind of two pivotal moments, the the first was, um, like you said, I've had kind of spiritual experiences and always have kind of seen other, uh, so to speak, since I was a young child. Um, <clears throat> when I was 19, I started having um, shamanic dismemberment dreams and a bunch of shamanic initiatory dreams um, and just like lots of intense stuff began happening to me. Um, which led to a lot of overwhelm and of course I didn't understand what was going on at that time and you know why I was dreaming of snakes and all of that sort of stuff um, and when I was 23 um, although I had experienced some symptoms prior um, I began to experience a full-blown full -blown kundalini awakening um, and we'll go over in a little bit about kind of what that means, but it's a really intense process. Um, and that really was kind of the, the huge initiatory process for me of, um, first of all, getting an intense amount of education, um, looking for teachers, looking for gurus, looking for anything that could really help me understand what I was seeing, what I was feeling, what I was experiencing, um, and really how to heal 
from this really intensive process. Um, and so kind of, you know, walking the path of that wounded healer, so to speak, um, I, I discovered tools and realizations and understandings that not only have turned into a path of healing for me and a path of understanding, you know, what the heck's going on with me, but um, also to, to help other people in a, in a pretty profound way. So then what, what, um, so what pivotal moment, this is the number two, made you decide to write the book, this particular book? So when I was looking for information and teachers and really anything out there that could help me, all of the information that I ran across, with a few rare exceptions, was really aspirational. And by that, I mean that there's so much information out there. If you want to open up your third eye, if you want to have a kundalini awakening, if you want to become a shaman, there really wasn't much in the way of material for um, what's happening if you're kind of thrown in the lion's den, meaning that you're having, you're so overwhelmed because you're in the middle of a spiritual process, um, or, you know, you don't really need to open up your third eye, your third eye is already really open and there's too much stuff around you. So um, there's just so much information out there for people who are kind of in that aspiration, aspirational category, um, um, but there's very little info out there for people who are already having spiritual experiences or who have psychic abilities um, to learn how to kind of work with them and understand them. Okay. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so that's basically why I started writing the book is through my own intensive research and through um, really wanting to have a resource out there that was comprehensive and and modern day um, and and really kind of pragmatic in a way, meaning that um, one of my fundamental understandings going through this process is how important you know, the physical body is, how important it is for us to kind of be in this world. And so I definitely wanted that element in there as well. Well, and part of the reason that, um, you know, listeners, that I've invited Mary onto the show and, and, and to talk about her book in particular, because this is not just Mary's personal journey, her memoir so that we all at the end of the book go, wow, Mary's so special with all of her special gifts. You know, it's not yet another of those books, that this is really a guide to help people. And it's not based on just your experience, but it's based on your experience with clients and, you know, being able to see how what worked for you or didn't work for you does or doesn't work for somebody else. That's a helpful guide for us versus a personal memoir. And yeah. so, I, yeah. Yeah, and that's really what I wanted my focus to be on. And the fact is, is that there are, you know, there are so many people that are undergoing some form of spiritual um, awakening. And there are so many people that really need a resource like this. And in fact, in the book, I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a guru. I don't really have a, I don't have a religion to sell you or a particular dogma. This is really intended to be a practical book so you can understand what's going on. Um, And it's really focused on, my work with clients and my research over, you know, a, a, an extended period of time, as well as my background and kind of somatics and body work and all of the kind of, all the kind of stuff that, that I learned that very much is not really about me and my particular journey, but just mm-hmm. trying to understand things overall, again, in that kind of pragmatic um, uh, way so that anybody whether they're, you know, just feeling chi or energy for the first time or they're going through a full-blown kundalini awakening can find some kind of understanding out of the book. Okay. So I have a question, uh, you know, about that person who is already in the experience, is overwhelmed, doesn't exactly know what's going on, and is probably already starting to get conflicting or confusing information as they're starting to reach out and try to get help. Along your path, did you have any kind of disaster teachers? I did. So Not that I'm asking you to name them. but No, I'm not going to. <laughs> what I'm getting at is what does it feel like? I mean, you're already overwhelmed, right? So what is it? Yeah. So how do you know that the person you're working with isn't really correct when they say you just need to do this harder or better, but they're really the wrong person for you? I mean, first of all, um, 
I really look at things from a logical perspective, meaning that if we're going to somebody and they're saying a bunch of stuff to us, that's just a repeating of kind of rhetoric that we've heard a million times before. I can't tell you how many people I went to that are like, oh, you just need to ground Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't really mean anything to me. You know, like, maybe, it, you know, it was probably true at the at that point, but that didn't really help, you know, um, the experiences that I was going through. And um, a lot of people get into this really rigid dogma, meaning that I went to some of the people that did have some insight for me that were not in kind of this aspirational category, um, and that category is certainly important. I don't mean to to you know be reactive to it. it. It really is important for people. But when I would go to gurus or teachers, they would tell me things that were based on their own cosmology, their own understanding of the universe, their own religious or spiritual path. So I would hear things like, the only way to deal with your kundalini is to join our organization, to say our mantra, to, you know, adhere to, you know, our group's thoughts. Um, And that wasn't particularly helpful for me. Um, I mean, a lot of people who are going through these experiences have a... I, I think I tend to have a pretty decent kind of BS meter, so to speak. So a lot of these really didn't kind of adhere to any sort of truth or resonance. Um, so I would really say to people to kind of trust their gut instinct. And if they're coming across anybody that is really rigid in their thoughts, in their beliefs, the kind of there's only one path up the mountain, um, that typically isn't a person that I would call um, awakened or going through um, unfolding or, you know, the spiritual awakening process. Um, So stay away from those people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then kind of the other side of that is... Do you have a way of describing what it feels like when you are receiving good guidance one way or another and it's just really uncomfortable and you really don't want to do it? What the signs or how would you know kind of I don't I don't know for me it would be in my body but that sense of you you're you're getting mess and information from a teacher or maybe from your own guidance and you you want to say that teacher's wrong because what they're telling you to do actually is really right and you don't want to do it. <laughs> so um, so how, do you, how do you know that position where I'm overwhelmed and I want to pretend like this person is just a bad teacher and run? So um, a lot of that really does have to deal with um, kind of checking in with yourself. I mean, it's not an easy to answer question, um, but it really is our kind of responsibility to ourselves if we're on any sort of healing path to kind of discern um, how much of this is my stuff, like how much of me is freaking out, how much of this has to do with my own trauma or my own issues versus how much of this is somebody else's meaning is this my own stuff that I want to flee or is it you know is that exactly what I should do Mm -hmm. so one of the things that um, I teach people is that basic kind of discernment process is really looking at every situation every teaching every understanding that you come across and sitting with it and realizing is my reaction to it based on you know that the person is an idiot for lack of a better word (laughs) or is this because I don't want to hear what they have to what they have to say to me so um, learning how to cultivate that and kind of check your own stuff a little bit Um, is really helpful for people that are really super overwhelmed um, it can be a little bit more difficult because chances are is that you're trying to cast your net as far and wide as you can and just looking for something anything that will kind of help you Um, and so for those types of people who are not able to kind of um, uh, be in their own bodies and have that discernment process Um, In the book, I discuss ego, what I call ego or false awakenings, which are signs that that a teacher may not be all that they're claiming to be. Um, And these are really kind of simple things, but they're, but uh, it's stuff like um, that the end goal of spirituality is, you know, physical or monetary material pursuits. Um, that they know all of the answers of the universe, that they lack humility and compassion, 
that they have a superiority complex um, and that, you know, they have this kind of mask of perfection. Um, and there are certainly more more signs than that, but um, those are kind of good tips to start with um, in terms of kind of determining what, what teachers may be actually saying something that's valid or may have gone through their own healing process or may actually be um, awakening or, or whatever you want to call it. You know, I'm listening to you and I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the person that's, that's in spiritual crisis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that list you just gave, if we were at a bar, you know, <laughs> dating would be really obvious. We'd know to not actually let that person buy us a drink. But yeah. when we're in crisis and really looking for some sort of certainty and help, it's not so easy to see that person as obvious as it would be if we were dating. It definitely isn't. And a lot of times what people who are at that point of crisis really want to hear is exactly the opposite of what they actually need to hear. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if somebody is going through a kundalini awakening, which means that a huge amount of trauma um, is likely coming up for them to process, for them to basically get out of their bodies, they might really want to hear something from a teacher that, like, quite frankly, doesn't really know what they're talking about, saying, oh, all you need to do is ground, um, all you need to do is X, Y, and Z, and it will go away. Um, right. and, and buy my seven chakra sprays Yeah, <laughs> for your aromatherapy, and you'll be fine. Right. Um, so... Um, just along these lines, and so I was kind of going to get into how you integrate all these different things in your distance healing work, but I don't want to run out of time talking about the book. So I think maybe we'll come back to that if we have time. But um, one of the things, though, that you you do, this is kind of on the other end once the person gets this sorted out, but it's training people who do have a calling to become safe and effective practitioners. And I was wondering if you could just speak just to, you know, what do you think the essence of being a safe practitioner is and then effective and powerful? And so just start, like, when you're you're helping people, what do you think is really kind of the essence of being a safe practitioner? In terms of being a safe practitioner, um, I think that the number one thing is, um, for spiritual practitioners, is understanding and um, certainly compassion is kind of tied or, or with, a, with a second place for that. But um, a lot of times through, through trainings, we are taught to um, have a rather rigid cosmology of the spiritual realms. We're, we're taught that um, middle world work or, you know, kind of darker work is, you know, everything that needs to be light. Otherwise, it isn't safe. The middle world isn't safe. Um, and I could understand where all these cosmologies come from, but what happens is that people come up with this idea that because we are in the middle world, because that's where our bodies are, because um, that's where, you know, everything that we experience is that the spiritual is something separate, um, and it's something really to be feared. So the number one response that people have when they notice anything spiritual is to kind of reach for their for their sage bundle for their sage stick and to clear it. Um, For me, safety really means um, understanding what's going on around you, understanding that the spiritual is not separate from our world, that it interacts and flows with this world, um, as well as understanding how to do both kind of the light work that a lot of people really focus on, but also kind of the, the darker work um, that's really needed to become an effective spiritual practitioner um, in, a, in a safe and compassionate manner. And by that, I mean safety of understanding what you're dealing with, understanding the tools to deal with it with compassion, but also with boundaries, um, learning tools, even though you may not need them, um, of, uh, you know, learning how to banish things or learning how to be a little bit more harsh with things. Um, And that process, you may not even use those things, but if you're dealing with something that's particularly dark, um, that can, that is, you know, highly psychic or something like that, um, it's going to be able to tell if you have that experience or that understanding or not. 
Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just kind of trying not to chuckle too loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, what typically happens and the way that I've focused a lot of my teaching is the fact that people come to me and they're like, you know, I have death as a spiritual ally or um, I have, you know, um, more commonly people will be like, I'm really drawn to, you know, I've had ancestors that were druids or witches or, you know, something that we are, you know, shamans that weren't kind of this love and light variety. Um, how I've been told that this is bad. I've been told that, you know, kind of connecting to any of this stuff is bad. So I haven't done it and I have a lot of fear about it, but I'm ready to do so now. How do I, how do I do this basically? Um, and so we're fed this kind of polarity about how, you know, spiritual realms are really separate from us, how, you know, anything dark is bad. And so for people to be able to overcome that kind of mental construct, um, and to really understand that, at least in my estimation, um, spiritual work is really about balancing, and that means kind of all aspects of the universe, um, dark, light, gray, whatever, um, and to learn how to kind of um, cultivate enough tools to be able to deal with it and to like kind of overcome our own thought processes, our own cosmologies, what we've kind of been fed by others to have direct experience um, of these realms is actually more difficult for people than, um, than they might think. Yeah, yeah. I know that there are times that I'll do a session with somebody and I just after it, I'm thinking, wow, okay, so now what is that? What are the ramifications of that? You know, that, that new idea that just came out of trying to figure that out for that person. And it's like, okay, that changes everything. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now what does that mean, you know? <laughs> um so in all of this what what do you think is really the essence then? I mean you've probably already said it, but what's really the essence of being able to work powerfully for for people? You know, power is again one of those names, one of those words that for whatever reason we've turned into kind of a source of negativity for us. Um that if anybody starts talking about power that, um, oh, that's something that we're not supposed to talk about. That's not something that we're really supposed to cultivate. Um, so first of all, kind of getting over that, but really um, cultivating our own power, meaning that becoming embodied, um, you know, meditating and, you know, doing practices that really get us into our physical body, that teach us that, you know, our emotions are not bad, our kind of more primal nature isn't bad, that um, we work through our own traumas and all of those kind of obscuring beliefs, all of those layers that are on top of our own kind of awakened state, so to speak, um, basically that we take care of our own stuff. Um, that really allows for us to be totally and vitally who we are, which is a source of personal power. And beyond that, um, a lot of work that I do with people is ancestral work. Ancestral work is really our first source of power that is kind of inside, but as well as outside of ourselves. So the spiritual abilities, gifts, and we all have them. Um, likely otherwise we wouldn't be listening to your show or, you know, <laughs> interested in spiritual mm -hmm. things at all. Um, but learning how to not only work with ancestral trauma and kind of clearing but also understanding the gifts and understanding how to work with our ancestors and connect to them. That's another source of power. And of course, on top of that, there are all sorts of, you know, kind of deities or um, connecting with source and all sorts of stuff that we can do to kind of um, cultivate more power um, or basically have a bigger, bigger impact. But the number one thing is basically taking care of your own stuff. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo. All right. Yeah. So moving on, because, of course, we're here also to talk about this book, The Spiritual Awakening Guide. And so why don't we just start at maybe kind of a basic place, which is that there are many different types of awakenings. Um, and so how do you sort of group them? What's your sense of that landscape? So um, just for clarity purposes, I, I group them into two basic categories. The first are um, milder and generally more gradual, um, meaning that um, 
that we take them kind of one step at a time, typically, or maybe two steps occasionally. Um, and the others are known for kind of intensity or drastic changes, um, typically within a short period of time. Um, so if we were to talk about basic categories, it would be kind of mild versus versus intense. Um, and, the, and the intense ones are ones where we might, you know, leap forward five steps or 10 steps or 20 steps or, you know, 200, mm-hmm. um, 200 at a time. And so within those categories, then, do you have a, a sense um, of different kinds of awakenings, I guess? I thought yeah. it was interesting earlier you mentioned ego awakening. I thought, hmm, what's that? <laughs> Yeah, and so we can talk about that, definitely, but um, in terms of the milder spiritual awakenings, those are things that we often may not even think are part of the spiritual awakening process, because we do focus so much on kind of the most intense or advanced or, you know, whatever experience, but, you know, simply the ability to feel energy for the first time after, you know, a Reiki attunement or, you know, Tai Chi or yoga or even exercising, that feeling of energy cycling in our bodies, that's a form of spiritual awakening um feeling our own meridians feeling kind of energy from the earth feeling you know um becoming aware of individual chakras those are all typically um awakenings that are a little bit milder in scope um and in terms of ego awakenings um i talk about this a fair amount in the book but um what happens is that we get kind of a lot of us get stuck in our spiritual process because um, because of fear typically. But um, like we talked about before, there are a lot of people who have awakened just enough to have material so that they appear spiritual or you know that um, that they. Um, the, the end search of them, you know, going through their couple of years or couple of decades of experiences that they, you know, they know the totality of the cosmos. They know everything and anything that might be spiritual. Um, and it's really easy to get stuck in these kind of ego awakening states, because if we know everything, we won't be open enough to know anything else. Um so the idea of spiritual awakening is kind of moving past a lot of these illusions that we may have been given or that may have been given to us and even illusions in the awakening community of stuff like, I mean, I hear it all the time that you need to be raw vegan, that you're not supposed to have any emotions, that you're not supposed to rely on money um, and just all of these things that just kind of add on layers of, you know, kind of ex- obscuring material instead of us finding out through through direct experience and letting some of those illusions go, letting some of that ego kind of expand or go, letting our own rigid understanding of the universe kind of let go a little bit for us to experience something else. So that's essentially what an ego awakening is. Mm-hmm. And is that normally kind of in the gradual category or in the more intense category? It can really be in either, Mm -hmm. um, but um, there are particular kind of stopping points in the spiritual awakening process that it's really easy to get stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the easiest ways to kind of get stuck is kind of in the in the first couple layers where we realize that everything in the universe is a reflection of us. We start to kind of believe that and have that understanding. Oh, that person over there, I created them. I manifested them. My thought <laughs> processes create my life. Mm-hmm. And it's an important understanding to have. But if we are not able to transcend that like sort of thinking, um, first of all, we're going to be really judgmental of others. But also, we're going to be really judgmental of ourselves. And we're not going to expand you know, past that to understanding that yes, we are creating our universe, but so is the person next to us, and so are the people down the street, um, and that sort of stuff. So that's kind of the one of the more common sticking points. Um, and the other really common sticking point is kind of somewhat close to kind of the end, even though the end is kind of an illusion. But um, a lot of us come to spiritual processes because we're feeling kind of other or are feeling empty or we're feeling um we're feeling lonely or isolated 
Um, and so we come across this understanding that we're gods, that we are divine, that we're something, you know, something along those lines. Um, and the next step typically in the spiritual process is to understand that, yes, we are divine, but we also, you know, um, no one individual is that particularly important. No matter who you are, no matter what you can do, there's always somebody kind of bigger, faster, more spiritual, more awakened, you know, kind of whatever mm-hmm. terms you want to put on it than you. And a lot of people have searched so hard to be, you know, to feel power, to feel, you know, themselves as kind of, you know, um, that deity or that understanding of being divine that they don't want to go back to that understanding of, you know, basically being small. Mm-hmm. So those are pretty much the two huge sticking points, but it really can happen at any point. Um, in the process where we start to kind of believe ourselves a little bit too much and get stuck um, and start to kind of, you know, it's a common sticking point for teachers who, you know, um, want to appear, or gurus who want to appear perfect, want to appear awake, and it's kind of a mask for them, meaning that they're not kind of showing their, their pain or the fact that they're not perfect because none of us are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are some examples of um, awakenings that tend to be more in the sudden and intense category? So the one that most people are familiar with is a Kundalini awakening. Um, but there are others that are pretty intense that are, um, for example, a top-down awakening, which is basically where we get energy from heaven instead of having energy come up basically from earth of course i'm simplifying a little bit um but that process the top-down awakening can be um lead to a lot of physical symptoms and a lot of kind of mental symptoms because the body doesn't have the ability to kind of process um the the energy appropriately because the the kind of earth chakras the lower chakras are not are not open um and there are also Shamanic callings, which, um, again, um, if we get out of a little bit of the aspirational category, and we're talking about specifically in this book, people that are having the intense dismemberment dreams or spiritual initiations, um, and suddenly are like, oh my gosh, there's so much spiritual stuff around me, and I feel like I'm supposed to do something with it, um, and my whole life is kind of a mess because I'm not answering this sort of calling, um, that can be an incredibly intense process for people. Um, and there are others that are a little bit lesser known, um, but psychic awakenings, um, meaning that when our psychic abilities really kind of go online, um, that's certainly a byproduct of the awakening process overall. But some people have psychic, psychic awakenings that are really severe, meaning that one or more of their abilities open um, and it leads to a state of real overwhelm because there's just so much material coming at them that it's unable, that they're in, unable to process it. So there are a few others, but those are kind of the, the more um, <clears throat> intense ones that, that are known about, and they lead to kind of drastic physical, mental, spiritual changes within a, within a really short period of time. And do you, do you feel like, I mean, uh, there is in... Um in the shamanic calling this quality of if we keep rejecting that experience things tend to get worse is that is that true in many of these that that the awakening's happening and and you need to get on board kind of thing mm-hmm. <laughs> if, yeah and if you don't it just it just keeps getting worse yeah. So shamanic callings are a little bit different than the other callings because a lot of the other callings have to do with us as an individual. Um, a shamanic calling um, really, in my estimation, has to do with kind of a need for there to be people that can do spiritual work in the community. So um, a lot of times we like to mystify this and create a lot of r- rules and stuff about it, but it's the same thing as, you know, I have a friend who, you know, since she was five has been interested in architecture. You know, she had a calling to be an architect from a really young age. 
um, and that certainly benefits the community. I used to have a plumber, you know, who, you know, his father was a plumber and everybody was a plumber and he was really excited about plumbing. Um, and that sounds so silly when we talk about it, but logically there are people that are needed in the community that can traverse the spiritual realms that have the ability to um, to navigate things um, from a spiritual, more kind of spiritual perspective. Um, and it is true that most of the people that contact me, especially if they're in a state of overwhelm, um, and especially if they um, ha- don't really have much information about it, um, that they contact me and their whole lives are generally a mess because they haven't answered their calling. So um, it's typical of people to contact me and be like, you know, I keep on trying to go out for jobs. I have this and this degree. Um, I'm really respectful. I get my work done, but I keep on getting fired. So it sounds like, again, one of those things that we could kind of laugh at, but at the, at the same extent, um, when you're talking to these people, they just are like, I know I'm supposed to do something spiritual, but, you know, I really need to have a regular job or I, I really want to, you know, be something, you know, more normal. Um, and it gets into kind of a little bit of, you know, is this free will sort of territory when we get into more of these kind of intense spiritual awakenings. But um, typically people who are called to be shamans or spiritual workers in general are pretty miserable until, <laughs> until they can answer their calling. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, one of the things I hear a lot, and I, I don't think, I'm not, I don't think there's a general answer to this because people are really unique and their gifts are really unique, but I do get a preponderance of people who come to me because they know a shaman's not going to think they're crazy but their mm-hmm. issue is they see dead people all the time, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there there are a lot of dead people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, how can you not, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of that, you know, when we're talking about different um, abilities, um, what happens is that the most common abilities for us to see um, stuff that is really close to, you know, kind of a vibrational match to us. Mm-hmm. So it is much more rare for somebody to see, for example, the grid system, which are kind of um, energies that create our communities, that create our world. Um, that's much more rare than somebody that is able to see dead people because, I mean, they're just former humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Generally, I do get a lot of that. Hey, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, I'm seeing a lot of dead people. And what it means is that they are psychically open or they're intended to do um, shamanic work, psychopomp work in particular um, for, you know, for former humans. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, there are a lot of dead people out there and it doesn't take a huge amount of um, psychic or spiritual awakening or whatever calling you're going through to be able to see just like how many there are yeah yeah Yeah. and it doesn't necessarily mean a person is called to work with the dead it can but it's not a given no it it certainly isn't a given what it just means is that um if we're talking about kind of our most external reality us as you know what we think of as concrete what we think of as being really physical there are some people that are able to see a little bit beyond that And I liken this to, you know, if five people walk into a room, three of them are going to notice five things. One of them is going to notice 10 things, like 10 items in that room. And one person might notice 50. And so those like last two people are just, you know, they would be termed psychic or sensitive. They're just noticing things that are beyond what we think of being really concrete. Um, Just because we see dead people or we notice something spiritual doesn't mean that we have a spiritual calling. It just means that we're noticing more stuff. We're more sensitive than kind of the quote unquote normal or average person is. Well, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about how I, I, whenever I'm hiring someone to do anything for me, like taxes, plumbing, you know, anything in my life, I always try to find the person that loves doing it. Right. (laughs) And so I was thinking about that with what you were just saying, which is, you know, just because you have abilities doesn't necessarily mean you have to run off and be an energy healer. Yeah, exactly. And so how do you navigate that with people? Um, 
typically it really is an individual process and that is one of the top questions that people have for me like what do i do about this and the answer is is that maybe nothing um, but a lot of times the ability to kind of sense more than kind of the quote-unquote average person means that um, you're able to you know help people as a yoga teacher as an accountant as a counselor you know kind of whatever realm you're actually called to um, um, you can use utilize your sensitivities and so there is a differentiation to be had between people who are experiencing a calling meaning that their whole life is going to essentially be a bit of a mess until they answer that calling um, people that are really called to be healers and they just can't see anything to do with their life versus people that are having some spiritual experiences um, or have some psychic sensitivities or what's whatever's going on that they can learn to, you know, develop boundaries with or learn to establish a little bit further so they feel like, you know, safe with them. Um, but that can really add to their careers or their callings, whatever that may be be um and when we talk about kind of spiritual work we think of oh you know the energy healer or you know somebody who's doing healing work but everything that we do can really be you know spiritual some of the you know biggest shamans that i've met out there are chefs you know are dancers or you know are mm-hmm. counselors so um if we're able to kind of open up to and understand our individual calling, we can understand how typically our own sensitivities can be integrated with that. So um, talk a little bit about this um, idea in the book about being awakened, um, but being underneath layers of sleep. Yeah, so the first part of the book, I talk about um, the spiritual journey, and I use kind of an extended metaphor of 12 layers that are kind of um, covering that. And so my basic premise and my understanding from doing this work as well as, you know, the research is and working with a lot of people is that we are all awake, we're all enlightened, you know, kind of, we are all with source, we're all healed. That is my understanding as well as the understanding that I, you know, cultivated from from many other sources. Um, But that we have these layers on top of it. And these are um, layers of trauma, of belief systems, um, um, and of thoughts that have been given to us either by ourselves and our experiences in this world or through other sources. So um, I explain this a little bit kind of like a series of nesting dolls, meaning that the biggest nesting doll is going to be what we consider to be concrete reality, ourselves, our own experiences in this lifetime, the beliefs and traumas that we've cultivated through our own lifetime, through our own experiences. But when we start to awaken, we start to kind of see through that layer and maybe we'll come up across the traumas of, you know, our family system, the belief systems that have been given to us from our, you know, parents um, or extended family, um, what's been given to us by our ancestors or past lives. Um, and then it goes into what's been given to us, um, you know, by collective energies like societal energies Um, What are archetypal energies and how do they inform us? Um, And all of that sort of, and all that sort of stuff, they're all kind of layers that we can work our way through or we can recognize to come to realize um, our, our awakened state. So as we come to the end of our hour here, um, let's take some time to just talk about, so if you imagine people out there in the world um, and your book being available to them, how how do you hope people use it or how do you see people using it? Generally what I would like for people to do is to read the book and to really see what resonates with them. 
So I'm in full realization as I describe the spiritual journey that there are a lot of common experiences. Um, and then there, there are a lot of places where people will be like, oh, that that's totally something I've gone through. I feel validated about that. Um, here are some exercises in the book that can help me to further understand that. Um, but I do not want people to take this book as gospel, meaning that um, there are more awakenings that I describe. That I describe. There's more to you know. There's more to the spiritual awakening process that can be put in a spiritual that can be put in one book. Um, in fact, I think that originally I sent the book into my publisher and it was like 150,000 words, and they're like, uh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but um, it's really helpful for us to understand what type of spiritual awakening we're going through and to understand that um, when we come to that place of understanding, we can develop tools and resources to help us through, um, through that spiritual awakening process. Somebody who um, is going through a top-down awakening is going to need much different tools than somebody that's going through a kundalini awakening. Um, and even realizing for a lot of people when they contact me and I tell them, you know, you're going through a Kundalini awakening, there's this kind of sigh of, you know, sigh of relief because finally somebody understands them or, you know, they have kind of a word to put to what they're experiencing. So um, the other thing that I would like for people to know is to kind of break through um, maybe some of the, the illusions or understandings that are so prevalent in the spiritual awakening community that are really actually pretty harmful or create further illusion or further kind of obscuring layers. Um, spiritual awakening is really a direct revelatory path, um, meaning that if we're being given our thoughts and our understandings um, about really anything by other people, it loses that sense of direct revelation. So understanding that anything from what you eat to what you're experiencing spiritually, there may be common denominators, there may be a name for it, but realizing that it, it is your process and your, um, you know, your, you are responsible for it inherently. And overall, that spiritual awakening is a freeing process, meaning that we're not adding on rules, we're not adding on understandings, we're not adding on beliefs that we must adhere to. It's kind of the removal of all of that sort of stuff. And the last thing that I'll mention is that um, I really want for people to understand that the spiritual is not out there meaning that um, we can be going through a spiritual awakening process, even if it's a particularly difficult one, and still um, be people that go to the grocery store, to PTA meetings, or out to tea with friends, you know, that vitally live in this world. Um, and a lot of the later stages of the, of the spiritual awakening process are really an embodiment process, meaning getting into our bodies, getting into our lives, understanding how blissful, how wonderful our senses are, how wonderful our physical bodies are, how wonderful it is that we have senses. Because when we're awake, we might interact with lots of energies that do not have these capabilities. Um, and it will teach us just how, you know, just how wonderful it is to be to be embodied and to kind of have have a life, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me see if I'm, I'm hearing you correctly. So, mm -hmm. one, you're not really suggesting that people take the book like a workbook and work through and do every single exercise in it. No. <laughs> but that they read it and see what's really resonating for them and maybe where, they, where they're feeling affirmed or going, oh, crap, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I need to do these exercises. So that's one piece. Yes. Um, it also sounds like another piece you're saying is that we're humans on earth, which is really important. That's one thing you're saying. But the, yes. the other piece is, you know, when humans are having a kundalini experience, even though what that means for each individual human and what they do with it is unique, that it's still a human on earth having a kundalini experience. So there's certain similar things that will be helpful for pretty much any human having a kundalini experience and and here are some of those things yeah Is that, here, yeah here are some of those understandings here are some of those tools here's what happens in the process 
here's what ha has happened in the process for thousands of years. Let's be really realistic about it. Let's be pragmatic about it. Let's discuss actual, you know, actual tools. Let's not add on a bunch of illusions or what we want to happen. Let's discuss how you can be having a Kundalini awakening and also have a deeply satisfying experience here on Earth as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Well, Mary, thank you for this um, great piece of work, uh, and I mean that in the best of all possible ways. It's, um, it, it, I, I think, you know, precisely the reason you wrote the book was was exactly one of the things I was looking for. Is the the how to do these things is a certain kind of book, but it really, like you said, it's just not helpful for the people where it's already happening or it's already yeah. happened and I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what the hell is going on and I don't know where to turn. And so um, I really appreciate um, this guide. And the other thing is books, uh, a lot of the work about spiritual crisis, the books aren't available anymore. So you can find them and then go search for them and you have to like pay $300 in a rare bookstore to try to get some old copy and it's not even relevant anymore. So thank you for putting something in our hands now in, oh, in our time. You're very welcome. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So everybody, the book is called The Spiritual Awakening Guide, Kundalini Psychic Abilities and the Conditioned Layers of Reality. And it will be out August 11th. And I'm, I'm assuming they can get it at Amazon and anywhere. Is that correct? Yeah, it'll be available Amazon or pretty much everywhere that you, you buy books. Yeah. Okay. So um, if you want to contact Mary, you can contact her at her website would be the best, which would be Mary Shutan, S-H-U-T-A-N.com. So again, Mary, thank you very much for your work, for your book, and for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to give thanks to the ancestors for, for gathering around us here today and helping us. I give great gratitude to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.